Uh, We're continuing this morning in a series on worship. It's called Attention, meaning that there's no greater place for us to put our attention than on the one who made us and the one who offers us rescue in Jesus. He wants to have our gaze. And so we're going to be back uh, this morning in Psalm chapter 100. Uh, This will be the second week that we uh, dig into Psalm 100. And uh, as you're turning your Bibles there, you don't have to, but if you want to, uh, Psalm 100 is where we will be. And um, I want to talk about something that's been uh, regularly and perennially frustrating for me, and maybe you'll be able to empathize with me. But have you ever been hiking in a park, national park somewhere, and uh, there's like, you know, these boundaries to the trail, and then you get to a particular place in the park where... And this is, this is my particular mojo. This is kind of what gets me going and feeling good. Like you get to a place where there's like a small river or a big stream that then turns into a waterfall and there's rocks all around it, right? And then at the bottom of the waterfall is this like nice, big, beautiful pool of water, okay? That's, that's like my little version of heaven on earth. Like that's, if I could live there, I would. I'd take a tent and I'd just camp out and I'd hang out. But one of the most frustrating things for me is when I get to a spot like that and then there's a sign on the trail that says something to the effect of, thou shalt not leave the trail and go jump in water nor climb rocks, right? Me, like, you can look at it from a distance. You can hear it. You can smell the water. Like, you can just look at all the enticing beauty of that waterfall, that pool of water and all the rocks that I want to climb but you can't go off the path and get any closer to it. And for sure, you can't climb the rocks, hang out under the waterfall, nor jump off the rocks into the water. Can't do it, right? I, that just makes me go crazy. It's almost, it would be better for me if I could be home on the couch, further separated from this beautiful thing that I'd love to dive all the way into, it'd be, it'd be easier for me emotionally to be far away from it than to be close to it and to not be able to go all the way in. Now, maybe some of you, that's not your thing, but here, maybe here's a different example. Like if you go to a museum and there's like a particular painting that you've wanted to see for years, and it's like one of those like multi, multi, multi million dollar paintings. You've been reading about it in art classes for years. You've been like looking at pictures of it, and finally it's on a display in a city where you are, and you go, and you're in the museum, and you make a beeline for the place where that painting is, and you get there, and then there's this like roped off gate that keeps you 20 feet from the painting. And the sign says, thou shalt not get any closer. Like, oh, what a heartbreak. I understand why all those things exist. I get it. But it doesn't make it any easier for us. When we see something of beauty and value that exhilarates us, what we want to do is we want to get closer to it. And we want to get as far into that thing as we possibly can. Sometimes in life we see something exceptional and the sign says, no further for you. Sometimes what we would prefer is a sign that says, come on, get close, enjoy, all the way in, get up to the painting, do the thing. Here's what I want us to see in Psalm 100 uh, this morning. Um, God is not someone who says, here's the boundary, don't come any closer. It's not him. He is the one that says, come on, 
Come on, free access. Come all the way in. I'm not withholding anything from you. Come on in. And God is beautiful. He is exhilarating. He is awe-inspiring. And praise him that he doesn't say, this far you shall come and no further. Right? Let's be thankful this morning that he says, come all the way in to relationship with me. Check it out. Psalm 100 verse 4. Right? Um, the psalmist singing worship songs to the Lord is calling the people of Israel and us to this, right? The call is this, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Okay, um, we have to do a little architectural dive here just real briefly to understand the significance of this. But when the, when the psalmist says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, particularly the psalmist is saying, right, regarding the temple, The temple is the place in Jerusalem where God dwells. It's God's permanent tent. It's his house. He lives in the heavens, but his footstool is on earth, and his footstool happens to reside in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, and the gates are the boundary markers for the temple or the house of God. Then what the Lord says to us, encouraging us to do, is is to enter into his gates, the boundary marker that marks off the walls of his house. Inside the walls are his house, outside in a different way are, but not as much. But what he says is, come on into the gates, right? It's not like you get to the border and they say, thou shalt not, or no closer, or this is not for you, right? The gates of his house, right? We see them, but then God says, get in here now. Come on, let's kick it. Let's hang out. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, right? And then I love this, but the the idea is as um, I, I'm not going to get there. Okay, enter his gates, and that's about come on in. Then he says, right, and his courts with praise. Just on the inside of the gates to God's house would be the courts, right? It would be like the open space that's like the next level in to the abode or the dwelling of God. And in what he says there is regarding the courts, come on in. Right? You've made it past the gates. Congratulations. We're not done yet. Now we got to walk our way through the courts. Keep coming in. Keep getting closer. Right? And then if you remember, two weeks ago in Psalm 99, right? And Psalm 100 is the song that the Hebrews would have sung right after Psalm 99. So there's some proximity here. Right? So we got walk through the gates, then walk through the courts. Psalm 99 verse 5 says this, exalt the Lord our God, worship at his what? At his footstool. In the temple, where is God's footstool? It's in the holy of holies. There's no further in to the house of God that you can get than the Holy of Holies where his footstool or the Ark of the Covenant, same thing, Ark of the Covenant, footstool. It's the, it's the idea where God is sitting in the heavens but his feet reside on top of the Ark. It's, it's the epicenter of God's dwelling place on earth. And what does he say? He says, come on in. Get past the gates, through the courts. Come worship me where my footstool is. Nothing is off limits. Right? It's an invitation to further, deeper relationship with God, but only as we understand the make out of the makeup and the architecture of the temple grounds. Right? Or to put it in New Testament language, Hebrews ten nineteen, we are called to boldly enter the most holy place because of the blood of Jesus, 
Because Jesus has laid his life down, his blood covers us, we are washed and forgiven, now God looks at us and says, come in, past the gates, through the courts, into the most holy of holy places, it's all for you. Now, let's, let's imagine it through a different lens to make this maybe pop or make it a little more helpful. Imagine that you've got a budding friendship with an individual and you're like, wow, this is cool. I think I like this person. I'm curious to get to become more and deeper friends with them. And they invite you over to their house and you're thrilled. And so you get in your car and you drive over to their house and you pull in the driveway and you get out of the car and your friend's there to greet you. He says, hi, and you say, hi. And you get out of the car and you start walking away from the car, like through the driveway. And then you get to the place where the driveway meets the grass of his lawn or her, doesn't matter, right? But where where the driveway meets the lawn and you're walking thinking like, hey, we're probably gonna go into the house and you take a step like off the driveway and your friend's like, whoa, 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 wait, stop right there. That's far enough. Thank you. You're like, you're confused. Like, uh, and then your friend says, well, um, I prefer that we just hang out in the driveway today. Right? In the, okay, all right, whatever. So you're hanging out in the driveway. Ten minutes goes by, and your new budding friend says, well, uh, it's great being with you today. Thanks. Our ten minutes is up. We'll see you later. And then you get in your car, and you drive home confused. Okay? With that friend, you can have a certain level of friendship. Agreed? Now let's say you've got budding friendship number two. You drive over to their house, you get in the driveway, you park the car, you get out, your friend's there to greet you, and now you're a little concerned because last time didn't go so well moving past the driveway, but this friend brings you past the driveway, through the grass, and into the back door. And then you take your shoes off and you go to take one step into the house, your friend's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Let's not presume too much. I brought you through the back door, but come on now. That's as far as we're going to go. Stop right there, right? And then like you're just inside the back door and you hang out for a while. You talk, tell a couple stories. 10 minutes later, your friend says, hey, it was great being with you. My time's up. I got some other things to do. We'll see you later. And then you walk out, right? With that budding friendship number two, you can have a certain level of friendship with that person, Budding friendship number three, pull into their driveway, get out, they greet you, you walk past the yard, into the back door, you're like, oh, I'm not sure what's going to go on here, but you walk into the house, and then your budding friend says this, come on in, take a seat, Um, I just put some ribs into the oven, I'm slow cooking them, it's going to be about eight hours, would love for you to stay for dinner, if you're able, we got some drinks in the fridge, um, we've got, we've got a game on, welcome to watch the game, we got like cool fun things happening in the backyard, go participate in all of it, if you get tired, we've got recliners downstairs, you could go take a nap, but we'd just love for you to stay and hang out, we'll eat together, we'll dr- we'll just have, we'll just have fun, just be here, right, whole house, mi casa es su casa. You can have a certain level of friendship with that person, yes that you can't have with the person when you get to their driveway and they say, whoa, 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 that's enough. That's far enough. But what Jesus does is he invites us past the gates, through the courts, into the most intimate part of his dwelling place. And he says, come boldly and confidently. It's all for you because of Jesus, because you were under him and his sacrifice and what he has done for you. Not because of how awesome you are, but simply because of my love that has been showered on you in Jesus. This is all for you. And in relationship with 
Jesus, this idea that he invites us further and further and further in. It has implications for all the different ways that God relates to us and we're called to relate to him. Right? We know God is our father. He's our shepherd. He's our king. He's our priest. He's our savior. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. In, in all of those different types of or um, aspects of relationship that we have with him, he's inviting us in those, in those relational ways past the gates through the courts into the most intimate place. He says, come on in boldly in all the ways that I want to know you. Let's do this. But the specifics of Psalm 99 and Psalm 100 are in the context of worship. And so the idea here is as we move closer to him, past the gates, through the courts, into the Holy of Holies, our our worship gets more pronounced as the relationship gets deeper. Worship gets more pronounced as relationship gets deeper. Right? Think of it. Here we are. Enter his gates the gate, gates is step one in moving in a proximal, closer relationship with the Lord, according to the layout of the temple. Enter his gates with what? With thanksgiving. As we start to move closer to the Lord and get like close to his space, what will happen to us is we will start to become thankful people. Because we start to recognize that he exists, he's the creator, he's made all, and this sense of thankfulness will flow out of us and it will go to the object of him. But then after we move past the gates and there's thanksgiving associated with that poor, or that place of knowing him, then we move to his courts with, right? We move to his courts with praise or with like gathered corporate singing is what this means. Right? So as we move past the gates and into the courts, as we move closer, Thanksgiving doesn't stop because we're done with the gates. No, Thanksgiving continues because we're still in that zone. We're inside the gates of thankfulness with him. But we add to it praise and we add singing. As we get closer to him, we'll start singing songs of joy to him and over him and about him. But isn't that true with everything that we love? Like, were we not designed to sing over that which we love? I'm, I'm not a European soccer fan. Anybody in the house? European soccer fans? Okay, we got one. Just one. That's okay, right? Um, so if you've ever watched a portion of a European soccer game, you will see a stadium filled with people, and they are singing. Ole, 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 ole. I don't even know what that means, but they're all singing in this like affectionate like song over their favorite soccer club. They they love the soccer club so much that this community of people are singing over their team. In in America, to bring it across the pond for a second, we kind of do that too. Like anybody know the Florida State Seminoles college football team? If you were to go to their stadium and watch one of their games, like all of their fans in unison will sing a war chant over their team and then like maybe made you intimidate their enemies that they're playing on the field. It's like this crowd of 90,000 people singing together over their favored Seminole football team. It's the same thing with the Atlanta Braves professional baseball team. The stadium will sing their war chant over, right, their favored Atlanta Brave players and maybe opposed to the baseball team they're playing. If you're from Ohio, follow me here. I'm going to make this quick, but we're going to see how quick you are. If you go to an Ohio State football game, we'll sing something like, O-H! 
Right? We know it, right? We just, we just, we sing it. We chant it. Why? Because we love the Buckeyes and we're cheering for them. Kemp, I'm sorry. Is Kemp here? Kemp walked out. It's good. Kemp's not a Buckeyes fan, right? So it's good that he's not here. We don't want him to contaminate the space, right? But we know in a Buckeyes game, O-H-I-O, right? We're singing our affection over our chosen team, right? When we get close to something we love, we sing. Isn't that why love songs exist? Because we find a person that we're like, wow, person, you're awesome. Then what do we do? We write cheesy love songs for them. Why? Because we have to. Because it's part of our DNA to sing affection over that which we love. And so we move past the gates with thankfulness to God in our hearts. We move into his courts as we get closer. We just start singing, ole, 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 whatever, whatever worship song is appropriate at that time. We just start singing to him as we get closer to him. And then finally, the ultimate destination Psalm 99, verse 5, exalt the Lord our God, worship at his footstool, right? We're still worshiping, but then Psalm 99, verse 1, the Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble, right? The closer we get, the more the veil is like reduced or the the cloudiness with which we see him, it all starts to get clear. And when we get closer, we see his holy, magnificent glory. And then we go from thankfulness to singing to trembling, but not trembling in a bad way. Like, wow, you are so amazing, right? That happens as we move in closer proximity to him. What God is saying to us is, I want to hang out, pull into the driveway, walk in the back door, come, come on in. Actually, check that. Go home, get all of your favored possessions, bring them here, and just move in with me. Be here all the time. I want you, don't just come for a visit, live with me. That's the invitation that he gives us. And he's calling us in that open invitation to abide with him, but to go deeper and deeper and deeper in relationship, in intimacy, in proximity with him. Now, if we're just reading this in English, there's a visual nature that kind of erupts off the page that we kind of miss because we're not Hebrew people. But I just, I just want to help us to see that there, the, the visual nature that is associated with the different levels or proximity stages of worship that we go in as we get closer to the Lord. And just follow me here. If you follow me as I give you the pieces, my hope is at the end that we'll put the pieces together and it will click in one New Testament passage where we see the whole puzzle come together. But in, in verse 4, right, here's one of the pieces. Enter his gates, right? That's the boundary of where God is dwelling on earth at this time. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. The word thanksgiving there in the Hebrew is like two words that are like smashed together to make the meaning like a little bit more obvious and pronounced. We translate it thanksgiving as we should. One of the words that gets smashed into there is is the root, is a root word that um, literally means this. It means to hold out your hand and to cast or we, we don't use the word like cast. That's more like an old English translation. We would say like throw, right? So, so the root word of the word thanksgiving here in the Hebrew is to cast or extend your hand like this. Okay, hold that for a second. 
Now in verse 4b, right, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's the gates, his courts with praise. Then he says, give thanks to him. Where do we give thanks to him? At the gates, right? As we're getting into like just stepping into relationship with him, right? We're going to get thankful. Um, the word there in 4b, the second half of verse 4, give thanks, is simply and only the root word that is smashed together with another word in the first part of the verse, thanksgiving, two words. In the second part, give thanks, it's just the root word for cast your hand. Cast your hand, it's just that word. And we translate it rightly here as thanks because of the context and that's, it makes sense. But there's a visual nature of worship here that the psalmist is trying to bring us into, Right? Um, when we are thankful, one of the physical manifestations that will happen that's appropriate is we will like extend our hand, like just a hand extension, like, thank you, God, thank you, thank you, right? It's okay if you don't, but the psalmist is like, right, in their world, when they're singing this psalm, they're probably saying, right, enter his courts with thanksgiving, thanksgiving in your heart, enter his courts with praise, right, give thanks, thank you, God. It's like we're throwing, we're throwing our thankfulness to the throne of God, right? Holy of holies is there, I'm, pa- I'm into the gates, and I'm like, God, yeah, thank you for this. Now let's flesh this out just in terms of what this looks like in life and why this is so important for us as followers of Jesus and to God who is our great creator and savior. Um, let's, let's look at this giving thanks thing through a, a lens of two options. Giving thanks, not giving thanks, specifically regarding food, right? Because it's customary for us all when we sit down to eat to pray and thank the Lord. But let's, let's just break this down and make this plain for us. Two ways that we can sit down in front of the food that we are eating, uh, let's just say for lunch today. We'll forecast out. Hopefully your lunch is going to be good, right? But the plate is in front of you and you're sitting down. There's two ways that you can receive that. Option number one is you can receive it like this. Eh. I think eh is spelled E-H. And I think what it means is not really that impressed. Eh. Right? Option number two is you could sit down to eat, look at the food on your plate, and you could say, Thank you. Two very different responses to the same stimuli. One heart, eh, not thankful, not impressed. The other, God, it's good. You're good. Like throwing, throwing thankfulness to him, right? The, the person that looks at the, at the gift that's in front of them but doesn't see it as a gift, the eh person, um, yeah, they, they, they're unaware of the magnificence that is in front of them, the, the deep gift that has been placed before them. The, the person that casts their hands in thanks to God, has a deeper awareness, and maybe it's maybe it's all along the lines of something like this: that like at some point in the past year, like the sun was shining, this radiant ball of explosive light that hovers in the sky was shining down on the earth, and there were some plants that were designed by somebody to capture that energy and turn it into nutritious and delicious things. And here it is. I didn't do much. 
I don't know how the physics of the sun works, energy transfer. I don't know about that stuff. But all I know is the sun shone and plants received it and photosynthesized some magic and turned it into nutrition. And here it is. And on the flip side, though, that some of those plants that photosynthesized like amazing nutrients, some animals ate that. And then those animals got bigger and they're like they became nutritious in themselves. And now like the animal gave its life right in this magical, majestic process of me receiving benefits. So now I can sit down and eat these plants and eat these animals and eat these things that come from sun and rain and soil and all manner of things and people that worked. And there's a whole economy of things that are going on beyond me that led to this. And when I sit down to receive that, doesn't it just make sense to know that like, God, you're beyond all this. You're responsible for all this. Thank you. I got. I have to throw my thanks somewhere, and there's nowhere else to throw it. So I'm just gonna like, wow, God, thank you for this. Which is a different posture of life than the person that sits down and says, eh, and then just eats, not with a thankful heart, but just throws it down and complains about it. It wasn't salty enough. Didn't taste like this, and this wasn't that just a different way to live, but we're called in proximity to the Lord. Like what happens to us is we become thankful people. We begin to recognize that we have been given a mountain of gifts and they don't come from nowhere, but they come from somewhere, specifically someone. And that someone who has bestowed all of this, he's just worthy of our thanks. Just casting with an extended hand our thankfulness Thank you, God, for the things that he gives. But that, that's just the gates, right? But the next step, the next step is enter his courts with praise. Then he says, give thanks to him in a reference back to the gates. And then he says, bless his name, which I think like, bless is associated with the courts and with praising or singing songs to him. Here's the cool thing about the Hebrew word bless. It's barak. It means to bless and to kneel. It means to kneel and to bless. So there's something about blessing someone in the associated physical posture of like kneeling in honor before someone. That's like that. That's where the, the, the word kind of like finds itself. So here's the idea. There's a physical progression of getting closer and closer to him that results in a physical manifestation that comes further and further out of us. Stage one is, right? I'm just stepping into relationship with God. And now for the first time, I just start to be thankful. God, thank you. You are so good. And then you move closer past the gates into the courts. And then there's a sense of like, God, you are better than I thought. The closer that I get to you and I bless you, I am singing songs to you. I am still casting my hands in thankfulness, but my posture, like my worship posture has gotten more pronounced and I am singing to you because I can't not, because the closer I get, the more I see you, and the more I see you, the more I say wow. And, and when we say wow to something we love, it just tends to come out as song, and we're just singing, and we are kneeling, and this is how we are blessing the Lord, right? The Lord blesses us all the time. This is a way that, that the scriptures tell us that we bless Him. He doesn't need anything from us. 
but he loves to be in relationship with us and he loves to be blessed by us, just singing songs over the one that we love. But then we go past the gates of thankfulness and then we move into the courts with praise where we bless him, kneeling before him in honor and reverence. And then ultimately we go, where do we go? To the holy place. And what are we doing in the holy place? Psalm 99, we are trembling before him. And that's where, right, as we move further and further in, we did this a couple of weeks ago, like our posture just changes, right? Because there's a physical manifestation to our receiving of proximity with the Lord. Thankfulness, kneeling, trembling and bowing, right? And it's such a beautiful thing that he invites us into. And now I just want to put this together for us. This is the invitation. And I just want us to see that this kind of worship is happening all the time and we're invited to participate and to join in. Revelation chapter four, here's the scene. We've got these creatures described as living creatures. Wow, okay, they're, they're majestic in their person. And they are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. Actually, these crazy worship scene going on here, right? Would blow our socks off if we were there in a good way and crazy way. But verse nine says this, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him, God, who is seated on the throne, who lives forever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the Lord saying, worthy are you, O Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. As these creatures are worshiping God, what are they doing? They're singing. They're giving him honor. They are thankful. They are casting their thankfulness to him. And they are falling down before him, right? And so it's like all of these things are going on at the same time. They're singing. They're falling as they're down. They're still like casting their thankfulness and then like then they kneel and they're still casting their crown saying God thank you you're so good and then they kneel and then there's like standing and there's like casting the crowns and there's trembling it's like all of this is happening at the same time and this is what happens around the throne of God where's that it's the holy of holies it's the most intimate place it's the closest that you're going to get it's the place that we've been invited and all of these things are happening simultaneously. Jesus gives the invitation to come closer. There is no need to observe from a distance. He calls us further up and further in. Come in. And as you come, come with thanks. We will. It'll just erupt out of us. Our hearts will become thankful to him. As we come, we will come with singing and honor as we kneel before him. And then as we come further up and further in, we'll get to the place where we just say, wow, God, you are more than I thought. And we just go down and it's good, right? And we're just trembling and honoring him. And we're like, you are so good. 
That's what he invites us into. That's what we were made for. God made us to enjoy waterfalls and rocks and pools of water. And I am thankful for that. God gifted us to be painters and artisans and to observe the beauty of the hands that we have made. And when we see that, we say, God, thank you for the gifts you've given people. This is beautiful. But the ultimate beauty and magnificence that he wants us to behold is him. Not from a distance, but an intimate relationship. And we give thanks. We sing. And we fall down before him. Worship band, come on back up. We're going to sing. And we're going to clear the chairs out and everybody's going down. Just teasing. I'm just teasing. Uh, in, in a public gathering like this, um, I'm an introvert, which means I may have a whole lot of stuff going on inside, but you're not going to see it. I don't extrovert a lot of things. Some of you guys are like me. Uh, there could be a worship storm happening inside of me, and like you might just see me casting, like, like I'm just casting thanks. But like inside, there's trembling going on, right? What I am not saying this morning is that we need to get rid of all the chairs, and that if every Sunday, if we're not all prostrate shaking, then we've got a problem because we haven't worshiped the Lord. That is not what I'm saying. Right? We gather on Sunday and we sing together once a week unless we do worship nights in, in an extended way and it's so good and we do clear some chairs out. But the point here is not to like coerce or force any physical movement from us. The invitation for us is to walk in the freedom of worship that the Lord would call us into. There is freedom here. I, as an introvert, am growing in my freedom to express myself. I used to be the white knuckle guy who just stood there. And I, I might have some, there may be like a cool tender moment between me and the Lord, but you wouldn't see it. Like I'm getting to the place where I can extend my hand, not because I'm trying to show off, because I'm trying to become more free in his presence with his people. Not there yet. Like Kemp's more there than I am, but we're all on a journey. So I just want to say that there's freedom here for expression, but there is no coercion nor expectation that there will be expression. The Lord will move in our hearts in time and we'll just follow him faithfully as the sheep follow the shepherd. But this is about our lives, that we would live as thankful people, that we would live blessing his name on bended knee, giving him honor, that we would live prostrate and trembling before the awe-inspiring magnificence of God. This is not just singing on Sunday. This is life and an invitation to know him all the time. So let's receive it and let's roll with it and let's enjoy it. Let's pray. Father in heaven. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you that in Jesus, in your love for us, that you unveiled and incarnated, and that, you, that Jesus, you went to the cross, literally laying your life down so that your blood would cover us as a sacrifice for sin that we could not provide for ourselves. You made a way. And so, Father, that's why we come past the gates, through the courts, in to the holy of holy place and we do so confidently because you've invited us in to come confidently because we are in your son because we are under his sacrifice and so father we thank you for that and father we do just want to say we think you're awesome you are so good you are so good for us you are so good to us and we want to bless you now we want to sing over you because you're the one that we love you're worthy.
of all glory and honor and praise. So Father, I pray that you would tear off the veils, the calluses on our spiritual eyes that keep us from seeing you and that you would allow us with clear sight to see you even this morning more and more and that you would erupt these things out of our hearts. Thanks for being so good and for leading us in the way that leads to your presence and everlasting abundant life. It's in the name of Jesus, the crucified and arisen Savior that we pray. And now we sing. Amen.